Would you turn in your Bible, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Our hearts have been made glad as we have heard that wonderful sermon and song. Thank you, Brother Bob Kubosh. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. May we pray together. Our Father, we thank Thee for the joy of Jesus, that He brings the honor of serving the Lord and knowing that our sins are cleansed and forgiven, that the Holy Spirit is our daily guide, and that He is here today. We pray for the liberty of the Spirit in this service as we study now the Word Thank you for the songs and all that we have experienced. May Jesus and the precious Holy Spirit move upon all of our hearts to give us the truth of thy word. In Christ's name, amen. Second Corinthians chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we made known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear witness, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves beseeching us begging us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave themselves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we besought Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the earnestness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. There is so much rich truth in this passage of Scripture. The Apostle Paul had been on that second missionary journey. He had gone across the Aegean Sea and started the church at Philippi, and then Thessalonica, then Berea. And then he went down to Athens for a while. And then he went to Corinth and spent a number of months in the city of Corinth. After he left Corinth, he went back to Jerusalem. On the third missionary journey, he visited it again. And in the city of Ephesus, he wrote a number of letters. And in all probability, he wrote to the Corinthians from that city. Now in 2 Corinthians, he is saying, you know... I've talked to you about the churches over there in Macedonia. Now that's basically Greece. Corinth was in Greece. 
But what he had in mind was the church a little bit farther to the north, mainly Philippi, the church at Philippi. And he said, you know, I've bragged on them, but, but I want you to know something else. I went up there and bragged on, I bragged on them, uh, on you to them. And uh, so he's sort of encouraging the churches. He's saying, look what Philippi is doing. Going up to Philippi and says, look what Corinth is doing. And he's encouraging the churches. And he says, the people didn't do just as we hoped. They went way beyond that. We, we, were, we were encouraging them to be faithful to God with their offerings and with the substance of their lives and with their talents. But, but he said they first gave themselves. And did, look what it says in the text. They gave themselves to us, to the Lord and to us by the will of God. In other words, they made themselves available. They said, here we are, all on the altar for thee. And that's the basis of the text and the message that I want to bring you this morning. Commitment Day 1985. Commitment Day 1985. And I want us to look at some of the things that are going on in our world right now. First of all, a world turmoil. We're living in a world filled with turmoil. I don't really have to tell you that. You know it. You read the newspapers, you listen to the radio or television, and you know that we're in world turmoil. Afghanistan was invaded by the communists, and uh, those people were pushed back into the hills, and there's been such a stiff resistance that the communists are about to have to back down. And at the summit conference the other day, the Russian leader promised President Reagan that there were going to be some concessions made and there would be some withdrawals from Afghanistan. We'll wait and see what happens. We think of Nicaragua and the tragic situation there and the confusion in our liberal media over that nation and all through Central America and how, how we're trying to be uh, 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 represented as the villains. We're going down there and trying to hurt those nations when what is not understood is the fact that international communism is seeking to fulfill its goal of circling the United States so that the end the United States will fall without firing a shot that's their plan they wrote it years and years and years ago and some of our people just don't understand that some of the media and so on but this is the kind of world we live in as we come to this commitment day 1985 we live in a world of hijacking now we've all known about kidnapping for years and years and years Many years ago, we read in the history books about the pirates who attacked ships on the sea and took them over and, and threw overboard the, the, the bona fide uh, leadership, and then they just took over the ship and took over the cargo. But we're living in an age of hijacking when they put hostages up, human individuals, people like you and me, and they say, if you want to deliver these passengers to their right place, then you give us the fuel to fly to such and such a place. Or you give us, uh, get some certain prisoners out of, a, out of a, a, a prison cell somewhere that are there because they took the wrong stands on things. And so we live in a strange age, an age of hijacking. I believe it was just yesterday or the day before that another plane was hijacked and five people were killed and one of them was an American. We've not learned exactly what they were asking for.
But that's the kind of world in which we live. I, I heard by radio that 12,000 tourists have canceled their plans to go into the Mideast because of that powder keg that's going on all the time over in that section of the world. And the leaders in our State Department have warned us that that same type of power struggle is going to come to America where there will be hijackings and kidnappings, not just for ransom, but political kidnappings. That's the kind of world we live in. And I want to tell you, international communism has not changed one iota. Don't let anyone ever trick you into thinking that somehow the communists of today are a little bit easier, a little bit syrupy, a little bit sugary. They're not like the Lenin and Stalin and the others. I'm here to say to you, international communism has not changed one iota. They still do not believe in God. They still do not believe in freedom of religion. They, no matter what they say. And they still believe that the state is ahead of everything else. And their plan is to take over the entire world. And don't forget that they would like to take over America. If you'd like to know what it's like, talk to some of these dear Cambodians who have lost everything. When we had to pull out of Vietnam, the Vietnamese moved south, took over that nation. They moved east or west. They moved whatever direction it was over to Cambodia. And they took over Cambodia. And they, it, would, it would be like going into the Warren County Courthouse and destroying all the records so that nobody would have any record of his birth and no, no records of ownership of property and all the deeds would be destroyed and that's what happened in that section of the world that is international communism and it is godless that's the kind of world we live in the summit conference is just over and our president withstood all the pressures to give away Star Wars and Star Wars is not some aggressive affirmative plan where we're going to try to bomb everybody else it is simply an attempt to protect America all the communist nations have great defense systems but America has none and that's all it is and Russia is saying you can't do that because we don't want you to have defense now I know you didn't come to hear a political message but I want to tell you that's the kind of world we live in and we have been so introduced to crisis after crisis after crisis that we become immune to it. We just take it for granted and we run to the funny papers. We run to the sports sections and we ignore the critical situation our world finds itself in. But in this year of 1985, as we plan for the year ahead and we plan for the last 14 years of this 20th century, all of our lifetime, most of the folks that are at least 30 and above were born into a thinking process of the 20th century. And we thought we were pretty much ahead. But now we must move to the 21st century. We're living in the future. And we need to prepare and plan for the future. And that's the reason the summit conferences and all of those sessions need to involve every one of us and we need to be much in prayer. Now secondly, on this commitment day of 1985, I want us to notice the wicked entrenchment, first of all, of humanism. 
Humanism has entrenched itself in our whole system. We don't need any God. Our parents are not an authority. Everybody is to do what he wants to do. It doesn't make any difference what mom and dad think. You do what you want to do. You do your own thing. Already this is introduced into communist countries in this, sec in this way. If mom and dad read the Bible at home and their children go to the school, the school officials encourage those, those children to look in on their parents and find what their parents are doing. And if they're reading the Bible or they, or they urge them to read the Bible or pray, then those children are to report that to the officials and the officials come and arrest mom and dad because they have read the Bible or prayed in their homes. Now that's a form of humanism that is leaking into America. And that is, children, you do your own thing. Your mom and dad live in an old foggy age. They believe in some absolutes. They believe that you ought to mind mom and dad, that you ought to be in at a certain hour, that you ought to avoid certain things. Well, that's just for the old fogies. You do what you want to do. That's humanism. And it's entrenched in our very system. And in some places, adult school teachers teach that. And judges and attorneys practice that. There are no absolutes. It used to be it was wrong to tell a lie. Now it depends on the circumstances. Used to be it was wrong to commit adultery. Now it depends on the circumstances. Used to be it was wrong to have premarital sex. Now it's wrong. it just depends on the circumstances. Used to be it was wrong to murder little babies. And I remember a time years ago when anybody that would have an abortion would be looked upon as a murderer. Now, it's the thing to do because the Supreme Court has said it's okay. I want to tell you, no matter what the Supreme Court says, this word remains absolute. The word of God remains the same. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God, and God changes not. This is an age of hell-raising. Just do whatever you want to do. Pornography on the television. Pornography available in all the bookstores and in all the drugstores, many of the drugstores. This is the day of the deviates and the perverted people who march on Main Street and on the avenues and say, we demand our rights. Now, as we observe Commitment Day 1985, that's the kind of day we're in. But I want to tell you, a world at its worst needs God's people at their best. The challenge is always before us to give our best to the Master. But the third thing I want to share with you not only a world turmoil and a wicked entrenchment, but a wholesale neglect of spiritual truths and things. There's a great neglect of the, of the Word of God. We're coming close to 1986. I'd like to challenge our people to read the Bible through in 1986. From Genesis to Malachi and from Matthew to Revelation, if you read three or four chapters a day, you'll get through it in a year. 
I'd like to encourage every one of us to do that. This book has become a good luck charm. People carry it around. They have it on their coffee tables and in their bookshelves. But it doesn't get translated into life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Our Sunday school lesson this morning. Our priorities must be prioritized. And they must be, Jesus must be first. The church and the church's fellowship and the church's program and the church's mission of world outreach has been neglected. Sometimes there's more enthusiasm for a civic club than for the Lord's church. Now I believe when we get together in God's church there ought to be some quiet times interspersed with some great vibrant times. We'll begin every service in a great vibration of celebration and commemoration of the resurrection of Christ. And there ought to be some triumphant hymns. And we ought not to drag our hymns like we're at some funeral. But interspersed in there, there need to be some quiet times when we can be quiet before God and meditate before Him. And then the service needs to be geared toward the invitation when we sit on the edge of our seat and wonder Lord who can you save from this place today who can you move in whose heart will you move to call someone into your service to urge someone to put his all on the altar to save some precious lost soul and we ought to get excited about it church has a marvelous mission in a day like this God wants us to march out doing the first work that the Lord called us to do. And very frankly, the first work God called us to do is not political, it is spiritual. God called us to tell the lost about Jesus. Here in this city, out in the county, out in the state, and to the regions beyond. We have soul winning teams that go. We have bus pastors that go all over the city, week by week, and try to find folks that are not going anywhere else to church. We're not vying with other churches to try to get some of those people. Why, praise God for all the churches. There's room enough for more churches. But we need to reach the people that God wants us to reach and go after them and bring them under the banner of Christ, the glorious gospel. We neglect the prayer closet. Anything eternal that's going to ever be accomplished will have to be accomplished through prayer. As we wait before God, asking God's hand, our priorities need to be arranged so that we put Jesus at the top. This is commitment day. Many of our people have already made their commitments to the Lord for 1986. Some may want to change those and say, Lord, I want to give more. In the light of eternity, I wish I had given him more. You imagine standing before Jesus. And we know that Jesus taught us certain spiritual truths and certain stewardship truths in his word. And we stand before him. We say, Lord, I didn't give my best. I could have gone to Sunday school, but I, I just slept in a little bit later. And I let all the problems at home cause me to stay away and I didn't come. Lord, I could have tithed my income. But, but, but I thought I had so many bills and so many things to do with my money and I just thought, well, Lord, I, I'll just not do it this time. And there we, there we stand before him. John R. Rice wrote a hymn. 
by and by when I look on his face. Thorn-shadowed face, beautiful face. By and by when I look on his face, I wish I'd given him more. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. At this commitment day, 1985, we need to prioritize our priorities and say, Lord, you're going to be first. I want you to be first in my talents, in my time, in my tithes, all on the altar for Jesus. I cut this from a communist newspaper. It's called Peace and Liberty. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a much more powerful weapon for the renewal of society than is our Marxist doctrine. All the same, it is we who will finally beat you. We are only a handful, and you Christians are numbered by the millions. But if you remember the story of Gideon and his 300 companions, you will understand why I am right. We communists do not play with words. Of our salaries and wages, we keep only what is strictly necessary. We give the rest for propaganda purposes. To this propaganda, we also consecrate all our free time and part of our holidays. You Christians, however, give only a little time and hardly any money for the spreading of the gospel of Christ. How can anyone believe in the supreme value of the gospel if you do not practice it? if you do not spread it, and if you sacrifice neither time nor money for it. Believe me, it is we who will win, for we believe in our communist message, and we are ready to sacrifice everything, even our lives. But you, you Christians, are afraid to soil your hands. Now you weigh the truth of that. in what we give to the Lord as compared to what we give to everything else. Who is first? You weigh that in the light of when we have a need for nursery workers. And somebody says, well, I'm not going to work in the nursery. I used to do that when my children were little, but I'm not going to do that anymore because I don't have any little children. Or they make me nervous. The communists would never do that. You weigh that in light of how many times we come over in the week to see if our church is clean. If we see some windows that need washing, or do we say, oh well, the church has got lots of money, we pay janitors to do that. You weigh that in light of how much time over and above Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night we give in the name of Jesus. Khrushchev took his shoe off. He beat it on a podium over at the United Nations a number of years ago. And he said, we'll bury you, we'll bury you. Well, he hasn't buried us yet. But as I speak to you this morning, over half the world is under the hammer and sickle. And if we permit what goes on in, in Africa to happen, if we stand by and let our congressmen vote sanctions on South Africa, and we stand by and think that's just a black and white issue, no problem there, just that, we are really duped 
That's a communist problem. And I want to tell you, all around us, there are forces that would put Christians in the mill and push them, squeeze them in and in and in and in. There are certain places in this world where if a preacher preaches on the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from all sin, he is arrested and put in an insane asylum for talking about human blood. There are places in our world where if a church wants to have its own Christian school, some of its leaders are put in jail. Now in the light of all of that, the kind of situation we find ourselves in 1985, I want to ask that we give all on the altar. God is looking for somebody, just somebody. Doesn't have to be an extraordinary person. It could be a very ordinary person, but with an extraordinary commitment, who will say, Lord, use me, use me. There are some of you who are challenged by music and by the beats of those drums and by the rock music and you're challenged by Hollywood standards and you go to picture shows and you cry and weep over some imaginary scene. I want to know if there's anybody here that loves my Jesus. Anybody here that loves my Lord that would say I'm going to get up from the mundane and from the compromise and from the lazy sleep I'm going to start serving the Lord God. It begins by repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It begins by saying, I'm a sinner. My sins will bring me down to an eternal separation from God in a place Jesus called hell. I need God. And I know that the Lord Jesus went to the cross and he gave his all for me. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. Lord, I'm going to give myself to thee. And I'm going to trust that what Jesus did when he died on the cross and that blood that was shed there would cover my sins and would make me cleansed and clean and whole and pure before God. And then I'm going to take that wonderful message. After I've repented of sin, and put my faith in Jesus and I've taken my stand for God before the Lord and before the Lord's church and followed my Lord in baptism I'm going to then stand for God I want God to use me and so I give my all to him for some of you this morning this will be extra sleep time you just sit there and nod for some of you say well the preacher talks like that all the time but for somebody here because I feel it in my bones, God has his hand on you. And he's stirring you. And he wants to use you. But you must say, Lord, I give it to you. On this commitment day, 1985, I want to place my life at your availability. May we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Our Father, we thank thee that the Lord would fain to use individuals, sinners who have been redeemed, bought back from the slave market of sin. Dear Lord, today, 
move across the hearts of men and women. And we pray that somebody who, did, who came to this place with no idea of making any commitment to Christ would come and say, here's my life, Lord, I put it on the line for thee. Somebody else who has been saved who needs to make a commitment, follow Jesus in baptism, move his membership, do whatever God wants. Lord, have thy way. Give liberty in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. May we stand, please. Brother Jim, let's sing, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender all to him. I free to give. That's a hard song to sing. Now let me ask that please no one leave during the singing of this hymn. Just a few moments of an invitation. This is God's hour. I want to ask everybody here to face this question. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? First of all, with my sins. Lord, do you want me to carry my sins? carry my sins until I go on out and to an eternal separation from God in hell? Or Lord, can I take my sins to you quickly? Put them to the foot of the cross. Lord, what would they have me to do about my open commitment for Christ and my following him in baptism? I don't want to be, I don't want to be a shirker. If that's what you've commanded, that's what I want to do. Even if it scares me to death, I want to do it for Christ's sake. Lord, what wilt thou do, have me do about my church letter? You want me to keep it off somewhere else, or you want me to put it here and serve God and live for you and serve you? While we sing this song, as you, as you think that through and make a commitment in your heart, come and make it public. Do it today for Jesus' sake. While we begin to sing, who will come first?